I was going through and cleaning some of the uh, cabinets in my kitchen uh, a, a few months back, and I, I found this uh, package of uh, seeds uh, for green beans. And I think they must be defective uh, because I don't have any delicious green beans, and I bought them like two years ago, right? Um, the reality is that they're not going to do any good tucked away in a drawer in my kitchen. They have to be planted into the ground. They have to have sunlight. They have to have water uh, in order to grow. And in the same way, uh, we need to be planted in Christ Jesus. Colossians 2 verse 7 says, Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. And then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught. And you will overflow with thankfulness. So as was mentioned, I'm the uh, managing director at Gracefield Christian Camp and Retreat Center. Um, for those of you who uh, don't know, Gracefield is owned and operated by the Presbyterian Church in Canada. Um, and uh, uh, there's uh, a couple folks, um, Janet Galately and uh, Dan Plant, uh, who uh, are local to you and who uh, uh, serve on the camp board. Um, we're very thankful for all the work they do for the camp. Um, Gracefield is, uh, is a children's camp, but it's not just a children's camp. We celebrate the fact that we have, as of yesterday, 86 children uh, planning to attend this summer. Uh, last year, um, the total was 94, so we're well ahead of our registration rates uh, from last year and uh, looking forward to kind of uh, having some exciting numbers. Uh, and uh, just uh, growing uh, that side of the ministry. Um, oftentimes, I think in our culture, we'll celebrate people who have uh, come from a distance, right? And it's like somebody who has come from away uh, is celebrated for, you know, the distance they traveled uh, to be with us. Um, when I think about our children's camp last year, uh, restarting after two years off from COVID, uh, I celebrate uh, somebody who came from close by, um, a local uh, father uh, was using the uh, Skidoo Trail, and uh, which, which passes uh, along what used to be the railway tracks, and uh, saw that there was a camp there, and not just a camp, but an English camp. And they'd been looking in Montreal uh, area for uh, a camp to send their daughter to, uh, who, who, uh, uh, to practice her English. And uh, so they came all the way from Blue Sea, which is about a five-minute drive from the camp. Uh, and uh, she got an opportunity to practice her English, uh, and she got an opportunity to hear about Jesus. And uh, so we celebrate uh, that Ariane was able to come from close by. Uh, but as I said, Gracefield has other things uh, other than our uh, children's camp, as important as that is. Uh, we have adult and family ministries, um, tent camping and uh, cabins and lodges and cottages uh, that are rented out on a regular basis. Last summer, um, we had a family gather in one of our newly renovated spaces um, right after the uh, uh, funeral of the uh, patriarch of the family. And it was, uh, it was a, a time for them to gather together as a family all in one place 
uh, but also to just experience the love of Christian community and be in a place where they could mourn the loss of, of uh, their father uh, and, uh, but be together uh, with other uh, Christian people. Um, we also have uh, retreats. I know that there have in history been uh, retreat groups that have come from uh, St. John's uh, to Gracefield, and uh, now post-COVID, we're seeing a return of retreat groups coming back uh, weekend after weekend. Uh, we have quilters. Um, I, uh, quilters are my favorite. Uh, I'm not particularly uh, generally biased, but uh, there's something about uh, walking into our uh, dining hall and just hearing that hum of a sewing machine and seeing all of the uh, beautiful creations that they, uh, that they made. Um, so we've had a couple quilting groups come, and uh, it's been very enjoyable. Uh, all in all, um, I'm just finishing up my third year at, at the camp, so it's hard to believe that, that I'm already on to my fourth summer, uh, especially since uh, two of them were so unique. Um, but uh, it's, uh, it's very exciting to see what God is doing at Gracefield and uh, Part of the reason why I've been, uh, well, this is, I think, the furthest in this direction that I've traveled, but I've been far in the opposite direction in the Synod as, uh, as Pembroke a couple weeks ago. And uh, so I've been telling people I'm, I'm, uh, I, I'm traveling from Pembroke to Cornwall and many stops in between. And uh, it has been lovely to get around and meet people. And part of the reason for that is just to say thank you because of uh, the people from your midst that have helped with the ministry at Gracefield, uh, and because of the support of the uh, Synod of Eastern Ontario and Quebec, that, uh, that, that is the reason why we are able to function and why we're able to have a ministry. Um, so thank you, St. John's. Our first reading this morning is from the Old Testament, Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. Then God said, let us make humans in our image, according to our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, and over the wild animals of the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created humans in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Second reading is from the New Testament, Mark chapter 12, verses 13 to 17. Then he said, sent, then they sent to him some Pharisees and some Herodians to trap him in what he said. And they came and said to him, teacher, we know that you are sincere and show deference to no one, for you do not regard people with partiality, but teach the way of God in accordance with truth. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Should we pay them or should we not? But knowing their hypocrisy, he said to them, why are you putting me to the test? Bring me a denarius and let me see it. And they brought one. Then he said to them, whose head is on this and whose title? They answered, Caesar's. Jesus said to them, 
Give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. And they were utterly amazed at him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God, God for his word to us. So growing up in a small town, it was always uh, hard to uh, just blend in, right? There wasn't much of a crowd, except on Shovel Fair weekend, uh, to uh, be anonymous. I remember um, one of my good friends growing up, uh, his mother had been one of my aunt's best friends when she was growing up. And uh, whenever I would visit, um, she would, uh, the, uh, my friend's mother would tell me, uh, how when I would, she would look out and see me walking up their driveway, um, she would be taken back to her childhood. And she would say, she could swear that it was my father walking uh, and, and said, you know, you walk just like your father walks. I moved out west to British Columbia, uh, well, Saskatchewan, then Alberta, then British Columbia, before moving home about a decade later. Um, this is all after high school, and uh, um, you wouldn't know it now, but I had uh, I had uh, had had a time where I had lost my youthful weight, um, and uh, I had grown out my hair. I had I had beautiful hair that my mother didn't like, uh, beautiful long blonde hair, and uh, I thought for sure nobody is going to recognize me in this small town. Right? I've been away for a decade, I'm 50 pounds lighter than I was when I left here, and, uh, and I have this beautiful long blonde hair. I walked into the gas station after uh, filling up my vehicle and uh, did the transaction and everything, and then uh, uh, as, as I was about to exit, I said uh, two words, thank you. And the girl at the cash register stumbled back and said, you're a Hamilton. So not only do I walk like my father, but apparently I even talk like my father. I, my voice is recognizable as being the voice of a Hamilton in my small town home. I am a reflection of my earthly father. It's biology. Um, people who grew up with my mother will say, you have your mother's eyes, right? Like... There's things that we see in children that reflect their earthly parents. And the same is true uh, with our Heavenly Father. In the Old Testament reading, uh, there's a few things I want to kind of highlight uh, from that passage. And the first is uh, right there at the beginning. And then God said, let us. In the narrative of the uh, creation story in Genesis, uh, God says, let there be light. Let, and and it's, it's more command-based. And then all of a sudden we get to the end when human beings are created and it's, it's got a sense of, well, there's a plurality. There's a community to this. Let us make God in our image and our likeness. The introduction of community and God created them, male and female, he created them. In the New Testament reading, interesting thing that popped out to me is that uh, uh, this, the, these people that come to Jesus, you've got the Pharisees and the Herodians. 
And uh, just at first glance, you would think that they're just kind of uh, um, two, different, uh, two different groups that have similar views. Uh, in reality, the only thing that they have in common, um, other than the fact that they are against Jesus, is that, that, that they are Jewish people. Um, the Pharisees are the religious zealots, the religious leaders that are upholding their tradition of, of Judaism. The Herodians um, are um, okay with the Roman occupation. They, they have, uh, they're coming from opposite political sides of the spectrum. I've, I've used the analogy, this is, this is like uh, Maxime Bernier and uh, Jagmeet Singh coming, and, and they're coming together. The only thing they agree on is that, is, that they, is that this person they don't like. It's opposite sides of a political debate. Um, the Pharisees who wanted to return to, to, uh, to the religious rule that we see in the Old Testament, the Herodians who didn't mind so much the idea of the taxes that they had to pay to the Roman Empire because they liked the roads, they liked the services that they were getting. So they were kind of okay with Herod being around, right? And they came to Jesus, and right away he recognized it as a trap. He recognized that, uh, that, that the only reason that, that the Pharisees would be, the only way the Pharisees would be happy is if he said, don't pay the taxes. The only way the Herodians would be satisfied is if he said, pay the taxes. So what's left for him? And, uh, and this, this picture of taking the coin of the time and holding it up to them and saying, whose picture's on it? We're going to have a change in the, ins- the image on our coins, potentially the inscription coming up. Uh, at the time, it was basically the same thing as, as, the, the, uh, as we have with our, our coins with uh, Queen Elizabeth on them that will eventually have King Charles. And uh, at the time, it was Caesar. And so Jesus points out on the coin whose image is on that, whose inscription. And, uh, they, and I also love the fact that it's basically, the story ends with, and they were amazed at him. <laughs> that they, they, didn't, they didn't see it coming. This summer at camp, we're going to be studying uh, the fruit of the Spirit. And, uh, and this ties in uh, eventually, trust me. Um, but the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not be conceited, provoking, and envying each other. So Genesis tells us we are made in God's image. And as I reflected on that, I thought, what does, uh, or how does, that impact how I see myself? If I am an image bearer of the Almighty God, how does that impact uh, how I see myself? I think that uh, it, 
it changes as as human beings. It's easy to get kind of caught up in uh, in in what we hear, what the world is telling us, and and uh, to look in the mirror and and seek to be more like God is uh, is a huge challenge, uh, but it also is an exciting challenge. And aside from uh, the 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 massiveness of how I see myself as being an image bearer of God and how that might change my behavior, um, I'm also confronted by the fact that I have to look at others as being image bearers of God. I have to see that just as I am created in God's image, so are each and every one of you. And so even... um, that person, <laughs> we all have that person, uh, even that person who maybe gets under our skin or, or, uh, or uh, we just don't seem to click with, that person is created in God's image. How does it impact how I see myself? How does it impact how I see others? We are created in God's image. I think, too, we are created for God's inscription. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 3, and Proverbs chapter 7, verse 3, uh, refers to uh, God's law, God's word, and says uh, that we should write his laws deep within your heart. Psalm 119, verse 11 says, I have hidden... And some translations say, treasured or stored your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And I think that this concept of God's image being um, stamped on me, stamped on my heart, um, is a challenge to try and um, live more like an image bearer of God. Jesus says, give to Caesar. I don't think that this cancels out the idea of tithing or prudent stewardship. Um, All of those things are are valid biblical principles on their own. Um, But I think that it more so reshapes who I am in present society. I think it's very easy uh, to become, uh, to feel like my image is tied to what I do. I know I went through that when I was a a warehouse manager. Uh, I was a warehouse manager for a decade, and and I became um, fairly prideful of my of my skill and my work, and it became kind of part of who I was. Um, and then when uh, company restructured and, uh, and, and whatnot, uh, that was taken away. And so I was left in a, in a scenario where I had to reflect on, uh, well, who am I without that job? And the one thing that I stumbled upon um, then uh, was that 
whether I have that job or a different job, I'm still an image bearer of God. I'm still that which God created. So reshaping who I am in pres- present society um, is, is formational uh, for how I have uh, tried to live my life this last number of years. So Jesus said, give to Caesar, but he also said, give to God what is God's. I remember uh, a story of of a group of missionaries um, in Ecuador, uh, one of whom uh, was Jim Elliott. And uh, uh, he was quoted as having said, uh, uh, one of my favorite quotes of all time, I heard heard it back, well, probably even before Bible school, but um, his quote was, he is no fool, who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. And uh, part of the reason why that quote became so famous is because uh, he, along with his fellow missionaries in Ecuador, lost their lives um, down there. Uh, and, And so that quote really rang out that he is no fool to give what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. The challenge to seek to look less like Caesar and more like God. So how do we do that? And that's where the fruit of the Spirit comes. Because it's by bearing the fruit of God that we begin to reflect God more in our communities. That we begin to show his love, to show his joy, his peace, his patience. This fruit of the Spirit that shows the God we serve to the world around us. This is what being made in his image uh, and growing as Christians is all about. And so... I, uh, I, I am challenged by the concept that I am made in his image and I am made for more than um, what I thought I was. And I pray that uh, we would seek to be um, people who bear God's image and give that which we cannot keep to him who made us. Um, we are going to uh, take up the tithes and offerings um, at this time. And uh, 